Hello everyone and welcome to the show. Today we're looking at Scott Morrison. Scott Morrison likes to say, don't look at what Bill Shorten says, look at what Bill Shorten does. You could absolutely say the same thing about Scott Morrison. Don't look at necessarily what he says, but look at how he has got to be where he is as a politician and as the Prime Minister. That's Sarah Martin, our chief political correspondent, and she's been taking a very close look at the Liberal leader. Now, this is important, obviously, for the election. It's important for your decision on Saturday night that you know who this guy is. But Scott Morrison is one of those political characters, I reckon, born for the life. He might just hang around, come what may, on Saturday night. Sarah's speaking now to our producer, Miles Martignoni. Uh, Sarah, when we look at him, what does he want us to see? Scott Morrison likes to paint himself as the accidental Prime Minister. Why did your party remove a sitting Prime Minister today? Well, you're looking at two people who did not do that today and who were very uh, loyal and committed. As the, you know, every man, the knockabout bloke. How good's mum? (laughs) How good's Jenny? So is there anything that Dad isn't good at cooking? Banana pancakes on Mother's Day. They were disgusting. Yay! Go Sharks, where's the cap? He loves the Sharks. He talks about Sharks. He was Australia's only Shark supporter Prime Minister. (laughs) Hanging out with his mates on weekends, drinking beer, watching the footy. G'day, I'm down here at Caring Bar Pool. And we're on your side because we share beliefs and values in common. It reminded me of when we first bought our first place. It was very, very small. It was 53 square metres. Getting up in the morning this weekend, I'm making a curry, Jen's making a pav. That is the image of Scott Morrison. Getting off to work, turning up on site. That we are being asked to accept and to vote for. Anyway, got to go to question time. Cheers. So every day on the campaign, it's been it's been like a go get him, Scott Morrison. You know, he's been kicking footies, he's been rolling lawn bowls, he's been icing cakes, he's been traipsing through um, paddocks with farmers. It's been like action man, Prime Minister. But it's also absolutely true that Scott Morrison lives and breathes politics. He has politics in his blood. He absolutely understands politics in his bones. Scott Morrison grew up in Sydney's eastern suburbs. He was very involved in the church as a kid. His parents ran the local Boys and Girls Brigade. His dad was a cop and he was also mayor of Waverley Council. So Morrison, from a very early age, was exposed to, to politics. I think he said somewhere that he he first handed out how to vote cards when he was nine years old or something like that. So he's been exposed to politics from a very young age. So he grew up around politics How did he actually become a politician? Okay, so uh, Scott Morrison, he came from industry. He was involved in the uh, property council and the tourism industry when he was head of Tourism Australia. He was obviously uh, known for the very, the infamous, where the bloody hell are you? And we've been rehearsing for over 40,000 years. Lara Bingle ad. Where the bloody hell are you? He became involved in the state executive of the party. He was state director for the Liberal Party in New South Wales in the early 2000s. And then he ran for parliament for 2007 for the seat of Cook. And that was quite a messy pre-selection battle. And and it saw Scott Morrison pitted against the Conservatives' uh, Michael Toke, who was their preferred candidate. Now, Michael Toke won initially the pre-selection for that seat. But in what was uh, what has been described to me as one of the, the filthiest uh, 
dirt campaigns ever mounted against a, a successfully pre-selected candidate. Uh, Scott Morrison's factional lieutenants uh, were involved in discrediting Michael Toke and eventually uh, his candidacy was overruled and Scott Morrison was installed. Now, this is a this is an incredible story and one that Sam Dastyari from the Labor Party has um, s- sort of uh, spoken about where he has revealed that he was the guy uh, in the Labor Party that Scott Morrison's people approached to help prepare this dirt file on Scott Mar- Morrison's rival. So, uh, you know, as Sam Dastyari has said, he would never underestimate Scott Morrison because he would never underestimate a guy who would come to his political opponents uh, to help uh, get him the seat that he was eyeing off in the seat of Cook. So um, now Scott Morrison, of, of course, uh, says it, it didn't happen that way. Uh, but in any case, I think it's a sign of his ambition that he he did successfully successfully secure pre-selection for that seat, um, and he was elected to parliament in two thousand and seven at the same time as uh, Bill Shorten. In fact, their maiden speeches to parliament were only about half an hour apart. Wow! Uh, fun fun fact. I don't know. I think that's fun. No, yeah, no, that <laughs> is. It's really interesting. I had no. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, Scott Morrison started to get a much bigger profile when he became immigration minister. How did he get there? In 2013, Tony Abbott wins the election partially because of the problem of boat arrivals for the Rudd-Gillard government. Uh, My position, uh, ever since becoming the leader of the opposition, is that we will stop the boats. Now, this was a humanitarian crisis, but it was extremely politically damaging for the Labor Party. There's no sign of a slowdown in boat arrivals a week after Kevin Rudd unveiled his new asylum seeker policy. With vision of boat arrivals on the nightly news being fairly regular. Even with five months to go, the number of asylum seekers arriving by boat in 2012 has already surpassed any other year. In 2012-13, there were 400 boat arrivals with about 25,000 people and the issue was doing Labor a lot of political damage, particularly in Western Sydney, Queensland and Western Australia. So Tonya Abbott's mantra of we will stop the boats was extremely effective and so he came to power promising to do something about boat arrivals and Scott Morrison was the man he appointed to do that job. Well, welcome again to this week's briefing for Operation Sovereign Borders. I'm pleased to report that illegal boat arrivals are significantly below trends and expectations. You know, Scott Morrison has, still has a trophy in his office of uh, of a boat with a little slogan on the bottom saying, I stopped these. And this was his, this policy, Operation Sovereign Borders, which became almost like a military operation, was really his baby. Now, the way this is enacted is it, it's almost like the government is on a war footing. I won't talk about... Uh uh, on the water operations. You know, suddenly the military is very heavily involved. Scott Morrison gives briefings about boat arrivals and, and these become uh, somewhat farcical when he refuses to comment on on water matters. In the past week, have there been any boats that have been intercepted on the way to Australia and then sent back to Indonesian Australia? We don't comment on things that affect on water operations. Now, the weekly briefings don't 
tell journalists very much. Here at home, the information flow about boat arrivals will be restricted as the government seeks to control the message to its political advantage. And there's a lot of secrecy over how they are stopping the boats, whether they're using uh, towbacks, what's happening in Indonesian waters. There's a lot of speculation about how this policy is actually being enacted. And the government takes the view that the less said, the better. So on on water matters becomes his answer to everything. And, And then eventually even the weekly briefings stop. So Operation Sovereign Borders gave Morrison the spotlight he, he became a very prominent member of the government. Most Australians knew who he was, even if they didn't necessarily like his hardline position on Operation Sovereign Borders. And at the same time, you've got to remember that Tony Abbott as Prime Minister and Joe Hockey as Treasurer were really struggling. They had the horror 2014 budget. Um, things weren't tracking particularly well for the Abbott government in its early days. And on the side, you had, had Scott Morrison being a very reliable performer on the issue of border protection. And subsequently, as Abbott came to see him as more of a threat, he was given the portfolio of social services and Peter Dutton was given responsibility for border protection. Is social services kind of like a demotion at this point? Mm. Look, Morrison uses the social services portfolio as a stepping stone to to become treasurer. He really, I mean... So coming from immigration, does this new portfolio help with his economic credentials? Okay, there's a couple of things to say about this. Taking on the, the portfolio of social services also puts Morrison on the expenditure review committee. So he becomes a member of the government's economic team. And Scott Morrison uses this, uh, what, what could be seen as a demotion by Tony Abbott as Morrison becomes something of a threat. Uh, Scott Morrison uses this as an opportunity and embarks on uh, on some welfare reform. So uh, social services is a, bit, is a bit of a poison chalice um, in the cabinet because it's not necessarily, you, you're not making popular decisions. Um, it's a lot of money uh, to play with. And so Scott Morrison tries to use the portfolio to demonstrate his economic credentials. And this is really important in the context of what happens next when Malcolm Turnbull becomes leader. Uh, A little while ago, I met with the Prime Minister and advised him that I would be challenging him for the leadership of the Liberal Party. You've got to remember that at the, you know, five minutes to midnight when Tony Abbott is trying to hang on to his job, he offers Scott Morrison treasury. Uh, Scott Morrison uh, accuses him of wanting to throw Joe Hockey under the bus. And lo and behold, uh, Malcolm Turnbull becomes Prime Minister and Scott Morrison becomes his Treasurer. I know Morrison was involved in that transition from Abbott to Turnbull, but what exactly happened? The machinations that led to Malcolm Turnbull being installed again gives us great insight into how Scott Morrison and his uh, acolytes within the Parliament have worked to help promote Scott Morrison's career. Now, Scott Morrison in the ballot that installed Malcolm Turnbull as leader, he showed his ballot paper to indicate that he was supporting Tony Abbott. Now, um, uh, Tony Abbott has never forgiven Scott Morrison for what he sees as his portrayal, despite Scott Morrison voting for Tony Abbott, because uh, Scott Morrison, there are about five or six uh, MPs who support 
ensured that Malcolm Turnbull became Prime Minister. And those votes were very much seen as votes that Scott Morrison could have controlled had he wanted to ensure Tony Abbott remained Prime Minister. So Scott Morrison came out of that, I guess, ostensibly being able to say, my hands were clean, I showed my ballot paper, I supported Tony Abbott, I'm not a traitor. But his people in the in the party who are aligned with what is called the centre-right faction in New South Wales, some call them the rent-by-the-hour faction because they, they're very good at doing deals with both sides, they swung their support in behind Malcolm Turnbull, ensuring that Turnbull became Prime Minister and the reward for Scott Morrison for bringing those numbers to, to Turnbull was, of course, he got the plum post of Treasurer. It's a really interesting portrayal of a character who plays like this kind of bumbling, everyday person, but then seems to pull off these impossible political manoeuvres without getting any mud on him. Mm. Like, that seems to be what... This seems to be the picture of the man, right? Mm, absolutely, and, and I think my my one of one of the my favourite observations about Scott Morrison was he's the only guy who can follow you into a revolving door and come out first. I mean, he he has he's very good at these political machinations. And look, we know that two days before he became prime minister, he had his arm around Malcolm Turnbull. Leadership ambitions. Me? Yeah. This is my leader. And I'm ambitious for him. Yeah, good on you. Thanks, Gomo. Okay, we'll just take... I think Those votes that were crucial in getting Malcolm Turnbull the job in the first place ended up also being crucial in ensuring that Scott Morrison became Prime Minister. The successful candidate was Scott Morrison and he won this vote by 45 votes to 40 for Peter Dutton. In relation to... It's totally fair to say that Scott Morrison became Treasurer and then became Prime Minister. Apparently, his hands were completely clean. He had nothing to do with it. He was he was supporting the incumbent in both instances. But that that's not what happened behind the scenes. He has just very cleverly been able to, uh, uh, you know, tactically uh, orchestrate the outcome that has been to his benefit um, uh, while also being able to present himself as a, as a, as someone who has clean political hands, which is a pretty extraordinary uh, achievement, really. It's it's kind of frightening that he's he's so tactical and so good at that. Mm. But does it also make you feel like he's a really good politician because of that? Because he's good at being able to maneuver in that world. Yeah. Well, look, we might say that Scott Morrison is uh, very good at political compromises. His supporters would say he's very good at political consensus. So, yes, it is certainly can be spun as a positive or a negative. That is absolutely true. And they do say politics is the art of compromise. I think Scott Morrison has been able to work with people within his own party without been a real factional player. He's not a spear carrier. He's not. He doesn't really get involved so much in those internal factional games. But because of that, and because of his willingness to do to deal with both sides, I guess that has been to his benefit and has been to his political benefit. And so, yes, it might be a sign of someone who is uh, good at compromising with both sides of um, of, of a political party, um, but it also has got results for him personally. But do you think it's good for his 
party, like that his own personal quest for power has been a good thing for the party? Um, well, look, I think it's true to say that the Liberal Party has been tearing itself apart because it had leaders from both extremes of the party. Tony Abbott was from the extreme right. Malcolm Turnbull was from the extreme left. It's hard to imagine either of them being able to get um, harmony and consensus within their party room. Now, Scott Morrison is not... Um, I would say that most people in the party, most MPs in the party, see him as a consensus leader and see him being able to bridge the factional divides of the Liberal Party in a way that John Howard did successfully. Now, here's a question that's probably impossible to answer. Okay, try me. What do you think Scott's going to do if he loses? Good question. I suspect it, it will obviously depend on how bad the loss is. If it's a honourable defeat, if they've done quite well in saving some of the furniture that nine months ago looked looked like it was it was out, then I suspect he will stay on as opposition leader. Um, I suspect that most people would want him to stay on as opposition leader, even if the defeat is a little bit worse than that. If it's a bloodbath um, and the Liberals lose um, Peter Dutton, Josh Frydenberg, uh, if they if they if they lose. 20 MPs, then again, Scott Morrison might be the only guy left standing. So he might he might stay on in any case. I think that there's a very, very strong chance that Scott Morrison will remain opposition leader almost regardless of the result. Well, thanks so much, as always, for listening. Thanks to Miles and thanks to Hannah for superb production. Now, you all know we're only five minutes to the democracy sausage. Strap in, tune in for the best live coverage on Guardian Australia on Saturday night, and we'll be bringing you an episode, new episode of the podcast with the wash-up of election night early on Sunday. 